When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This podcast is part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club, a program designed to help all podcasts reach their full potential. For information about joining the Robots Radio Rocket Club, check out robotsradio.net. Hey, all you heroes and champions, crows, pirates, and inquisitors. Welcome to the Dragon Age Lorecast. I'm Shelby. And I'm Austin. And we are so excited to bring you this podcast. Every episode, we'll be talking about a different topic in the Dragon Age universe. From the Maker to Lyrium to Aravels, we will cover it all. There will be spoilers. And always remember, swooping is bad. Hello and welcome to the Dragon Age Lorecast, where we talk about all things Dragon Age and its lore. I am Austin, also known as Teacup. I am one of your hosts for this podcast. I'm here with my other host. I'm SheCup or Shelby, and I'm super excited to be here today. Because we have a guest with us, don't we? That's right, we do. Why don't you introduce our guest? Okay, so I have Allison here with us, and you may know her from Twitter as Allison Drasse. Welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, we're super excited for you to be here and for our topic and just to talk about Dragon Age, all the things we love. So we're still continuing with our Magic Spirits and Demons, oh my, season three. And so, yeah, today we're talking about spirits. We talked about demons and now we're doing spirits, which all demons are spirits, but not all spirits are demons. That's right. Um, I feel like I feel like we have been talking about demons forever. Um, so it's fun to move on to something a little bit less depressing. So we're going to talk about four kinds of demons or four kinds of spirits today. See, I'm still in the demons mindset. Um, so we're talking about compassion, valor, justice, and love. So I'm really excited to just kind of jump into it. So I'm going to go ahead and get started on compassion, unless you guys have any preliminary thoughts about spirits. No, we good. Okay. So most of what we know about compassion spirits comes from Cole. Um, technically he is a spirit of compassion, reaches out to and befriends the human Cole before he's taken to the circle of Valreo. Da, da, da. So if you want to know more about Cole's story and all the things that go along with him, you can listen to our episode on Cole. We've already done a character deep dive on him earlier this season. So 
I'm not going to spend a lot of time on compassion spirits because we've already talked about it a lot. So if you want more info, go check out that episode. But um, throughout Dragon Age Inquisition, this is like the one thing I will say, we learned that Cole's like number one motivation is to help people. And he wants to help them. He wants to make their pain end. And he even wants to go so far as to hurt people who cause pain. So I think this is really more than just Cole's motivation. I think this is kind of motivation for a spirit of compassion in general. So that's like the one thing I wanted to lift up about spirits of compassion. I know there's been some debate on whether or not Cole is a spirit of compassion or something else. Um, So yeah, I don't want to spend too much time on compassion spirits, but if y'all have any thoughts about them to share, please feel free. I, I do. I, Cole is one of my favorite characters. Um, and, you know, I really liked the portrayal of compassion as something other than just wholly good. Um, you know, we see some darkness and especially for people who have read Asunder, you know, we see, we see a darker side of, of maybe what happens when compassion fails, um, when compassion's not able to um, achieve its purpose and, you know, slipping into despair. I just, I think it's, um, I, I really appreciated Cole's story and and kind of what the side that nuance to compassion that it gives rather than just saying like, this is the compassion spirit and it's a perfect spirit. Um, we, we, it has an edge to it, which I think is a neat take. I totally agree with that. And you're a therapist, right? Yeah, I'm a psychologist. Yeah. Okay. I really appreciate that take and definitely agree that it's not always, it's not always pure. It's not always a hundred percent. Sometimes that self-sacrifice can turn into self-harm. You're actually mm-hmm. doing more harm to yourself than good by, you know, maybe taking the wrong actions to be compassionate. So for yeah. sure, I definitely think that that's, that is, I think, one thing that drew me to Cole and to the compassion spirit mm-hmm. as a whole. It, it kind of bounced back and forth with my line of work very nicely. Yes, absolutely. And also, like, it can be not just self-harm, but self-glorification, too. Like, mm-hmm. making yourself the center of everyone else's pain. And then we slip into that demon side of the mm-hmm. coin. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. It kind of brings my whole point of like spirits, especially from like when we think about the big emotion wheel with all the emotion names on it. Like, yeah, we see a lot of demon names on there, rage, anger, envy, and other names like that. But I find that spirits tend to represent ideals more than they do actual emotions, compassion, justice, you know, even in our list today, valor or other things understanding a spirit of understanding which is kind of where I got what we're talking about like compassion without understanding is really when you get into harm um Mm -hmm. but I just think it's interesting that not it's not uh spirits are good emotions and demons are bad emotions it's more that spirits represent more of an ideal or a force in the reality of dragon age I think that's a really excellent point and a great transition into valor because I really struggled with the valor spirit. Like I, I kind of knew what valor meant, but I didn't know totally. And like, I went to grad school, so I was like, I should know what this means. (laughs) But 
just in case you don't know what valor is, it, it, it is defined by the Oxford Dictionary as great courage in the face of danger, especially in battle. So courage, bravery, especially in trying times is kind of how I would define it. And I really struggled with this one because throughout the research, I really felt almost like this should be a demon, not, not a spirit. Um, so I think Austin, to your point that spirits tend to embody ideals more than emotions. I would totally agree with that. So valor, when we meet this is a spirit of combat in, in origins. It's one of the very first spirits we ever meet during the mage origin when they undergo their harrowing and Basically what the spirit of valor has done is that they have created weapons out of nothing, literally out of their own will, which in a way I respect that. Um, and then valor offers the mage warden a staff to use provided of course that you can defeat the spirit. And then that's pretty much most of what we get. I think when we first meet Valor, it's kind of like, oh, you have weapons. Is this, are you going to give me a weapon or are you going to try to kill me? Um, so it kind of does double duty there. But then we also meet another spirit of Valor in Dragon Age Inquisition, which I didn't realize. And this is um, a spirit of Valor that resides in the lake in the hinterlands and you can basically ask the storyteller in Redcliffe about the village's history. And she tells the Inquisitor that a spirit dwells in a small lake south of the highway. She also says the girls of the village bring daisies to it, asking for love. But the spirit rarely answers because it is a spirit of valor that favors blood lotus flowers and not a spirit of love that would then favor the daisies. And then this story begins the spirit in the lake quest where you can take the blood lotus and you put it like on the little boat dock thing. Um, so we only meet two spirits of valor in the games. You get a weapon for that quest too. Oh yeah, you do. Do you, does it have a name? I can't remember. I just did the quest. Sorry. <laughs> so I should know, but I think it does, but I can't remember. Yeah. I don't remember either. And I just play, I just replayed Inquisition not that long ago. And it's, I played that quest. I can remember finding out Blood Lotus and taking it to the lake, but I don't remember the weapon. And it may be that I was a mage. And so I, I did, I couldn't use the weapon. So it just got given to somebody else. Mm, yeah. Yeah, I think Valor is interesting. It definitely is one that feels, I guess because it feels so connected to battle, it feels very close to the line between spirit and demon. And I think it's that whole, you know, it is a, it's a principle, it's an ideal rather than, you know, an emotion. And, mm -hmm. you know, Valor doesn't have to be bad. It also doesn't have to be good either. I, I think of different types of warring like species and, and, you know, things in different kinds of fantasies that kind of uphold this principle of valor, but they do terrible things while they seek valor. So, um, and something that really interested me about the spirit of valor in Dragon Age Origins is that you can kind of, you have this exchange with it where 
you can try to bribe a weapon out of it. You can try to bargain or, you know, something. And it's like, no, <laughs> you know, I, it refuses because it, in its purest form, it's like, no, you have to challenge me. I, I'm not just going to give you my weapon because you're a sweet talker. Um, so I think it's, it's an interesting, I agree. It's kind of on that line between being, a, it, I, I get. I guess I get that it's a spirit, but also I can see where it could come off as there's this gray area of is valor actually good, and that also draws the question of are spirits even actually inherently good, or are they just kind of this nebulous kind of creature that, depending on the situation, could be good or bad. Yeah, great think- point. <laughs> And I think that begs in the question, like, is the maker inherently good? Right. I mean, I know my answer to that is no, <laughs> but that's just me personally. <laughs> right. But I think when you talk about valor and how it's an ideal and you could, when you were saying, like, you can do terrible things in, you know, achieving valor, I'm looking at your Inceventure, I'm like, oh, that's Commander Shepard. Like, Commander Shepard does exactly that. I mean... The Batarians probably won't be in the new Mass Effect game because of Commander Shepard. <laughs> or even just like if speaking of Mass Effect, like I was thinking of the Krogan when I was saying mm-hmm. that. Like they just did battle just to do battle. And and you know, for Star Wars fans, the Mandalorians, they just mm-hmm. they went out to seek war because they could. <laughs> um, it's- it's maybe this is um a, an ideal that i very much respect because like i love the krogan i love the mandalorians like those are some of my favorite factions so i'm like mm. but <laughs> it's also another thought i had that's interesting i said that valor spirits of valor feel very much on the line between spirits of demon but when i think about spirits of valor being corrupted into demons i feel like it would be difficult more difficult than we might assume, whereas like, I don't know, other spirits, like a spirit of love, for instance, I feel is very easily corrupted. Um, so I don't know. That's just kind of a weird thing, situation. I don't know. Um, yeah, maybe that just know, adds to the uniqueness of Valor. And we are, I mean, we're going to talk about justice, but it, it justice is a very, I feel like it's hard to distinguish between them. Justice is a more clear principle, but you know, that valor is, a, it's something that I guess we don't think about a lot. It's not, especially in this day and age, I don't know that valor is, is important to us <laughs> in ways that it might be in the cultures in Dragon Age, where mm-hmm. they're constantly in battle and, you know, things like that. So it's, it, it is a more difficult ideal, I think, to grasp. Yeah, I very much agree. Do we want to move on to justice? Already? Yeah, I feel like we're going to spend a lot of time here. I'm trying not to. And before before we get into it, I don't want to talk about Anders very much because we are going to do an Anders character deep dive. So we're not going to get into Anders' story. We'll mention that at the end a little bit, but I don't I don't want to get into to rabbit holes. I know we're bad about this. So I'm just saying that as a reminder for me as much as for y'all. So the spirit of justice again is unique because we have met a spirit of justice in the games and have interacted with it as a character in its original form in the fade we see justice taking the form of a person wearing like heavy armor i don't 
think that's accidental. Um, it's not typically what spirits have to look like. They can look like anything, just like demons can look like anything. That's an intentional choice made by justice that represents the priorities of justice. So I think that's the first thing that's interesting to note. And then um, the second thing is that when we first meet justice, it's in the midst of rallying other spirits to their cause to help the abandoned village and stand against the barrenness of the Black Marsh. And this all occurs in Dragon Age Awakening, which Austin Finnett needs to finish playing. Um, after, it's okay. <laughs> after, it's good, it's good. Um, no, I'm you, still not over the grubs. I'm yeah. still not over it. I, yeah, I don't think I prepared you ac- adequately for the amount of like actual horror that is in that DLC. like it's it's worse than origins in terms of like not necessarily gore but like the horror narrative kind of it's creepy it's very eldritch yeah (laughs) great to play in october yeah perfect perfect for halloween um anyway so back to justice um when you do justice's quest um and you defeat the baroness and all that when you leave the fade justice accidentally comes with you and is now possessing the corpse of a gray warden so it's not intentional that he even leaves the fade or that justice even leaves the fade it's totally an accident um and so he first possesses the body of Kristoff, the former gray warden and so he possesses a corpse a corpse is not a person who has feelings like it it's it's a dead body there's no personality of Kristoff that's left. And I think that very much colors what happens later. Um, and part of Justice's story in Awakening is that he eventually comes to the conclusion that it's his responsibility to avenge Kristoff's death. I think that totally makes sense with who Justice is and the whole corpse thing. But we move into Dragon Age 2 when justice then possesses anders so in this situation it's a lot more complex and i think interesting um there's a lot of headcanons out there about this but throughout the course of the game justice encourages anders to fight more actively for the freedom of the mages and the arc of anders story throughout DA2 is that his understandable anger and bitterness toward his own plight and the plight toward the rest of the mages has warped the spirit of justice into a demon of vengeance. I have a couple things to say. Um, So justice number one takes over Anders consciousness multiple times throughout the games when Anders becomes overwhelmingly angry at the injustices that are being done and when it's difficult for Anders to control his own emotions. I think it's unclear if Justice is doing this because Justice has to take over to avenge or if Justice is taking over because Anders can't handle it. I think that's unclear, first of all. Second of all, I think the devolving into the spirit of vengeance I don't think Anders or Justice, the spirit, were, I don't think they ever thought that would happen. I think they both very much underestimated like Justice's 
capability to be corrupted because he was in the corpse of Kristoff and they saw this happen and they were like, oh yeah, this was cool. Like, I'm fine. We can do this. So I think that that was a, a major misstep that they made and, and didn't, they didn't, uh, they underestimated how much of Anders' bitterness and anger would corrupt justice into vengeance. So those are the two things I wanted to add. So what are our thoughts about justice, vengeance, etc.? Like I said, we will talk more about this in depth on Anders' deep dive episode, but I want us to focus on like the spirit right now. So what do y'all think? I think that justice is very self-righteous. Um, and I think that that applies to both when we are talking about justice in the game and also justice. Uh, in real life, like when we think about justice, you know, sometimes it can lean towards that side of the person who's enacting justice can become very self-righteous. Um, and so I think that it, it, like you said, it was a big misstep for um, the spirit and for Anders, uh, because, you know, Anders didn't really think that far ahead. And justice is kind of like, you know, I could never be corrupted. I am a spirit of justice. I'm pure. But he's never experienced emotions before. He's never, you know, he's felt compelled to do things, but he's never been angry, truly. Um, and so these spirits are feeling human emotions for the first time. Um, and it's not, it's not what they bargained for. Um, and so I think that when we think of justice, it's, it's, it's a very, unlike valor, it's this very easy, easily corruptible spirit for sure. But, but it doesn't realize that, (laughs) which makes it interesting. Yes. And I definitely agree about the self-righteous aspect. And that's something I had not considered before, but I think you're right. Especially when we think about like social justice movements, when people become aware of social justice movements, usually it's because it's touched them. Like as a woman, I didn't care about sexism until I experienced it. I'm sure lots of other people have had that experience regardless of what the specific issue may be. And so I I definitely agree that justice by its nature is self-righteous. And that I think makes it as a spirit more corruptible into a demon. I also just want to add like the justice we see is one type of justice. And it talks about like justice that we see in the game is very much like a retributive justice or like retribution, like wants to make others pay for the injustice rather than maybe a restorative view of justice which is seeking to restore society or injustice into something better and i think we see that with the inevitable conclusion that justice anders comes to you know there can be no compromise is what he says and this leads me to think that not all spirits are the same that spirits can exemplify different forms of the ideal that they represent and, and per the lore, I mean, that tracks because, you know, in all the conversations we have with soul, it's like spirits are people. Um, and there are so many different kinds of people. Um, so I imagine that spirits are the same and we kind of lump them into these categories, but there's probably subcategories. And um, you, you just reminded me about that re- re- uh, retri- retributive piece. Um, 
I was thinking about the conversations that Justice can have in his banters in Dragon Age Awakening. Um, you know, uh, I'm a big Nathaniel Howe fan. If anyone has known me for any period of time, I love him. Um, and so, but there's this conversation that he has with Nathaniel where, because Nathaniel, he's like, Justice is accusing him of being a thief. Like, you're a thief, you broke in, you stole things. And Nathaniel's like, they were my things. They were my family's things. They belong to me. And Justice is like, that doesn't matter. You stole and you need to, you know, make, amends for that and Nathaniel just kind of brushes them off but you know that's that is the justice that we have and so he's very you know black and white like this is bad this is good and there's no room for nuance in the middle um and and you see that with his conversations with pretty much everybody even in awakening he's talking to Andrews like you need to be doing more for the mages you're kind of lazy <laughs> and so it's yeah <laughs> It's so interesting to me because it very much echoes that like psychological like understanding that we have different levels of understandings of consequences or justice or the world. And like, you know, as a kid, you're very much I follow the rules because I get punished and these rules are right and wrong and there's no variation. But as you get older and you develop more, you start having more nuanced discussion. So maybe justice is just a young spirit. Mm very possible that's really interesting theory um it is very possible also i think you may have to explain your love of nathaniel to austin because he told me the other day he said i don't get why people <laughs> like this character <laughs> because i can't really explain it he's just i think when you befriend him and you get to know him and he kind of comes full circle he starts out as really angry and like i hate you and i want to kill you and then he comes out he's like you know actually my dad sucked and I've been kind of sucking and I, I'm sorry, um, but I'm going to like devote my life to this cause now. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, I just met Delilah. So yeah, I get it a little bit. Yeah. Um, he changes after that. He kind of grows. He has a lot of, he has a really strong character arc for it to be such a short game. <laughs> Very true. That's so true. He really does stand out to me um, among all the companions in that game. Um, so I get all right. it now. Oh, you do now? Okay. <laughs> well, it's the same reason I love Fenris. He wants to hate and kill me, but they're similar. I, they have a lot in common. <laughs> Very true. Um, well, let's, Austin, let's move into our mid break. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Enchantment? Enchantment! You need me. Ugh. I am yours as always. All right, well, welcome to the middle of the show where we talk about everything that has to do with the podcast, but not the lore of Dragon Age. And so the first thing I want to do is thank all of our patrons who support us. We greatly appreciate all of the support that you give us, and we couldn't do the show without you. And so I will read our first patrons who... We read out every episode of the show. So that is Lisa M, Genesis, Derek B, and Zuba. 
and we also have some new patrons. And so our new patrons are Psych88 and LVCC13. Thank you so much for signing up for our patron tiers. We greatly appreciate your support. The other thing you can do is you can hang out with us on our Discord. You can find the Discord link in the episode description. Uh, you can hang out with us there. We talk about Dragon Age, our other podcast, the Assassin's Creed Lorecast, my other podcast, the Holocron Histories, which deals with Star Wars lore and all of that. You can hang and talk about those with us or talk about other things, um, share pictures of your dog, see pictures of our dog, all the fun stuff. You can hang out there. Another thing that I want to tell you about is a great way to support us is to leave us rating and reviews. You can rate us on Spotify or you can review us on Apple Podcasts. If you leave us five stars and some words, we will read it out on a future episode of the show. And we do have a review to read today. So this review comes from Zalo West, is how I'm going to say that. And there they say, love, love, love. Only recently found this podcast and God, I love it. Huge fan of the Dragon Age world. So when I'm not playing as my favorite Dwarven hero, I am listening and gaining knowledge. Love learning more about this world and a great ex uh, escapism from the sadly boring world we are in. So if in their quest for knowledge, they find a way to go into the Fade, share the knowledge. Thank you so much. All right. And we also have a um, Hero Hawk or Herald to read out today. So if you want to submit your own um, original character, hop in the Discord or email it to us. Or I guess you can send it to us on Twitter as well. But this one is a Hero of Ferelden from Becky M, who is one of our patrons. And she submitted it on the Discord. So this is what she said about her Hero of Ferelden. Leowen spent the early part of her life in the Denerum alienage, where she witnessed firsthand the plight of the city elves. When she began showing signs of magic and was taken to the circle, she saw it as a second chance at life and a new start. But soon she would come to think of the circle as just a new way of being trapped because of how she was born. When Duncan recruited her for the Grey Wardens, she was awestruck that she could be given another new beginning, and she vowed to give others that same opportunity whenever she got the chance. Leah recruited all party members because she felt that everyone deserves the opportunity to find their purpose and prove their worth. She bonded quickly with Alistair over their shared experience at Ostagar and when dealing with his sister helped him see that sometimes people really are just out for themselves. She helped Sten regain his sword and his honor and shale her sense of dignity and autonomy earning the friendship and respect of both. She gave Zevran a second chance, even when he tried to kill her, and together they learned what it truly means to love and be loved. In Redcliffe, Leah was able to save, save both Connor and Isolde. She even gave her old friend Jowan a second chance, freeing him from his cell to go forth and make amends for his actions. She sided with the mages, brokered peace between the elves and the werewolves, and sided with Caradan to destroy the anvil. She put Balin Idukin on the throne of Orzammar to give the castless their best chance at a better life. And at the land's meet, she convinced Alistair to marry Anora so that the two could rule Ferelden together. However, when she chose Loghain's chance at redemption over her friendship with Alistair, he could not forgive her and left the party. 
By this time, Morrigan had become a close friend and confidant. So when she suggested the dark ritual, Leah trusted her completely and convinced Loghain to do it. With Zevran at her side, Leah Wynn defeated the Archdemon and they lived happily ever after. Thank you so much, Becky M. All right, are we ready to get back into our last spirit? Yeah, let's do it. Well, that was uh, Orlesian. Dareth Shiran. You fear barbarians will swoop down upon you. Yes, swooping is bad. Okay, so this is kind of random because we've never met technically we've never met a spirit of love in the games but there are several references to spirits of love throughout the games um two of the games so i think it's possible we could meet a spirit of love in dragon age dreadwolf so first is solace's story about a village and i'll just read the story um or like the little quote that he says we can discuss it and then we'll move on to the codex so when you ask Solus about spirits, one of his stories is about a small village. There is supposedly a spirit that lives in or near the small village. And this spirit guides the young women to marry the young men who have, quote, gentle hearts. He then goes on to say, quote, that village never knew its good fortune. I suspect that it is a spirit of love. What do y'all think about this? Did this uh, conversation stick out to you guys when you first played through the games? I'm sure, Austin, I don't know if you had this conversation with Solus ever. <laughs> no, look, I got burned by both Morrigan and Alistair. And so I did not trust the apostate when I came to Dragon Age Inquisition. You mean Anders? What did I say? You said Alistair. Oh, well, Anders. Is who that's I was talking that's about. fair. That's fair. That's fair. I um I love Solus. Uh <laughs> disclaimer. Um I, I really did I liked his stories about spirits because we got to hear about different spirits than maybe we've encountered in the games at that point. Um, you know, we see a lot that are related to kind of more violent <laughs> ideal like we talk about valor and justice and so I think it's interesting um that we get to see one of love because we've seen desire desire demons and we've seen all these other things that we don't really think about love being a spirit as much and it's one of those spirits that actually does have a an emotion attached to it so it did stick out to me. I don't know that it stuck out any more than his other stories about spirits, but um, I really liked hearing it and kind of what what would a spirit of love be up to in Thetis? What would it do? And it's almost like a little Cupid. <laughs> the matchmaker. Yes. Yeah, I loved this story. I think this story and the one about Ostagar are the two that really stand out to me um, in the in his conversations. Go ahead, Austin. Sorry. I was just going to say, like, and this, like, tracks with, because I think that the Inquisition romances are probably among the healthiest romances in all of Dragon Age. Like, as uh, you could probably speak a little more to this, but I just feel like there's, act I feel like there's actual work that goes into the Inquisition romances, whereas mm -hmm. I think there's work in the Dragon Age Origins romances, too. 
um, especially with Morgan and what you can do with Alistair and his sister and all of that stuff. But I mean, DA2, you just have to wink at the companions and they're like, okay, we're in love now. We're moving into your house yeah. tomorrow. You haul <laughs> bisexuals. The, the uh, slogan also, of DA2. By the way, will you help me make a bomb? Yes, <laughs> right, exactly. right. Um, <laughs> and so, but Dragon Age Inquisition, like, there are some that are like, okay, you know, Blackwall is like, okay, I'm ready to love you forever. But he even he's not ready because he's like, oh, I have this terrible secret and I can't be with you. And there's just a lot of work and getting soulless to romance you is not easy. It should be of opinions. <laughs> right. And so, same for Sarah. And so it's just a very like more dynamic view of love. And so it makes sense that a love spirit would take place in this because it's expanding upon that. And I do think it kind of aligns with Solus's view of love too. Um, you know, it, it goes along so well, you know, um, he has a very, I think some people might question that this, but he has a very principled view of love to the point where, you know, he's like, I, I'm, you know, he's like, I'm in this, but I want to do it right. Like, I don't want this is this is a bad idea basically like this is a bad idea we shouldn't do this but i'm gonna do it anyway and so he's struggling with his his own kind of duality and so um he ends up ending things because in his version of love there aren't those lies that he can't tell and so i think you know um maybe you know this principle of love is something that he probably holds very strongly but he feels like he can't act on it kind of with the trajectory that his life has taken for him here's a sad thought that just might break everyone's hearts so we know from to venture nights spoilers if you have not read to venture nights that inhabiting solace's little alcove his little circle area is a spirit of regret what if that is a corrupted spirit of love i'm gonna boot you from this zoom call (laughs) that's heartbreaking (laughs) yeah i i see it though like i i do see it um but speaking of spirits of love turning into demons, I have a codex entry <laughs> that I want to read. This is from the Spirits and Demons Codex in Inquisition, and it's a sonnet titled The Lover and His Spirit from A Chant for Dreamers by Magister Horatius. So this is what the sonnet says. When I first summoned her, she was a rose, unwithering, unchanging, and unturned, a spirit of the purest love one knows, who never hates, coveted, or scorned. A second time I drew her across the veil and shared a walk, a dance, a stolen kiss, with such a perfect beauty, pure and pale, no woman could compare, no man resist. Then in my weakness, I essayed a third, though magisters their warnings did impart. She broke my binding with a single word and said this smiling as she clutched my heart. Though love I was, your passion's changing fire has forged this spirit into cruel desire. Thoughts? (laughs) It's, I think this is more things of like human emotion changing how a spirit operates. And I think about, you know, 
the example, like, I feel like this poem is about Anakin's love for Padme. So true. Very I, true. I think about, like, he comes from this place of, like, an intense, you know, view of justice, an intense view of possessiveness, of not wanting to lose things. And I think that when this love spirit interacts with that in a human, because when a human starts feeling attraction and love for someone, there is that sense of like possession, like I want this for myself. And I feel like a spirit interacting with it doesn't know what to do with it and doesn't know how to check it and say like, no, like I don't need to act this way. So quickly love becomes desire because a spirit doesn't know how to regulate emotion. And if we think of that in terms of like a spirit seeing new people, um, when they're pulled through the veil, like uh, Cole has that similar issue as compassion. Like the compassion doesn't know how to react in this world. And it does some really messed up things um, because it's trying to experience these things for the first time. And it's overwhelming. So it's like a, it's a new person. And so um, they're very vulnerable and easily turned into these other things. Yes, I agree. Um, I think, and I think we see this all the time, like even in fan fiction, in tropes, in everything, like enemies to lovers, like that's a, that's a major trope. And it's this idea that love changes. And I think that that is so true in our world. Like the love between a married couple changes from when you've been married one year to when you've been married 50, like that's natural for love to change. And I think love can also be changed for the negative, even when we want to think about it only in the positive, of course, but taking it back to dragon age, when love does change for the negative, maybe that's when it does change into a demon or something not so good. And I think that, you know, we talked about the spirit of regret being a corrupted spirit of love. Uh, it seems like desire in this case is a corrupted spirit of love. So I'm just wondering, you know, does the people and the interactions that the spirit has affect what kind of demon it turns into? Um, does it make it a different uh, type of demon? Because, you know, I can also think of like even a hatred spirit being a corrupted spirit of love it's that really intense feeling about somebody it's just the opposite of you know loving <laughs> yeah I see that and I definitely think I mean the answer we don't have an actual answer in the lore of whether or not that can happen but I mean I personally would say yes because that's just how emotions work like that's just how people work so I would imagine that yeah i mean why not um, there there is heartbreaking banter between dorian and cole when they talk about dorian's father and mm -hmm. you know it just shows to me like when dorian's talking about love dorian as a human understands the complexity of love is as an idea and as an emotion like there's so much to go into that that and he has he has a heartbreaking quote where he just uh, says to Cole, he goes, you know, Cole, sometimes love isn't enough. And Cole's like, enough what? And Dorian's like, never mind. Um, You'll get it. <laughs> and I just think about that, about like a love spirit to me would be the one that could be corruptible to anything because I feel like a love spirit would be one of the most powerful spirits because mm. it is so complex. 
of an emotion that has so much that can go into it and like I don't think a spirit could necessarily even handle human interaction of love because love can contain joy, it can contain sadness, it can contain grief, it can contain all of these things in it. Great point. Great point. Well, are we good to move on? All right, well, let's do it. So we're talking about a really random, really random side character today, but I promise it will tie in. So this character is the lady of the forest from origins now this is from the brazilian forest main quest line and she is technically a spirit we don't know what kind so we're probably going to do some hypothesizing here um now if you haven't played origins this is going to be spoilers for the main quest um but anyway so the lady of the forest is kind of a mystery and an, and an enigma and she lives with the werewolves in the Brazilian forest. She is kind of a summation of the forest itself. She's a spirit that embodies everything that lives within the fade or within the forest. She was created by Zathrian, who summoned a spirit from the fade and bound this spirit to the body of a silver wolf, the legendary Witherfang. Zathrian does this when his own children were attacked by humans centuries before the events of Origins. Trigger warning a little bit. Zathrian's son was murdered, his daughter was sexually assaulted, and then she died by suicide when she learned that she was pregnant after the assault. Zathrian then brought forth the spirit and everything that happens after that as an act of revenge and vengeance for his children. So... That's the backstory to how she gets created. Um, but the spirit was bound to the body of a wolf and spread the disease of lycanthropy, which is becoming a werewolf, um, to all of the humans who had hurt Zathrian's family. They then basically became just mindless beasts and tons of them died, which is exactly what Zathrian wanted. But what he did not want is that for the curse to live on far longer than he intended um, centuries, which then spread pain and death and all of the things to way more people than Zathrian ever intended. Innocent victims over the centuries until the lady of the forest, the spirit comes back to the werewolves in the form of a beautiful woman. So None of the werewolves address her as another werewolf. They see her as almost a ruler or a queen of them. They often address her as our lady or my lady or the lady. And then throughout their time with, throughout her time with them, she cares for them, cares, um, for who they are as people, not just as werewolves. And she also wants them to like, overcome their their vicious beastly nature and even though she does help calm them out of violence she can't cure them of the disease so her purpose for existing is to end the curse and bring about peace and ultimately as we know from playing the games the only person who can end the curse is zathrian which is where the warden comes into play zathrian has repeatedly ignored the requests of the werewolves and the lady of the forest. 
the warden can then bring him to their lair and basically broker peace or side with either side, whatever. So this is really interesting what happens to her. If, if the warden sides with the werewolves, the lady of the forest dies alongside Zathrian. If the warden sides with Zathrian, the lady transforms into Witherfang and attacks. If the warden persuades the werewolves to kill Zathrian and all of the elves, the lady of the forest continues to live in the game. They then join the warden in the battle against the blight, and then the lady of the forest appears in Redcliffe Castle before the final battle. So there are several different things, several different outcomes, but only one where she continues to live. And that is if you kill all of them. And then I brought two kinds of quotes or two quotes from the lady of the forest. And then we can debate what kind of spirit is she? So first quote is, this is an old forest mortal and I am its spirit, its heart. And then the second quote is, your people believe that you have rediscovered the immortality of their ancestors, Zathrian, but that is not true. So long as the curse exists, so do you. So let's do some hypothesizing. I will let you guys go first because I don't really even know if I have a guess. Like, I don't know. So what kind of spirit do y'all think the Lady of the Forest is? I have a guess and it's going to be kind of out there. I am going to suggest that the lady is a spirit of life. She says that she's the heart of the forest. What's at the heart of nature? Life. The the only one like problem and like lore thing that I get in here is like one of the core tenets of life is creation itself. All life creates and recreates. Um, that's something across the board, across species of animals, you know, fish, the sea, plants, all of these things they create spirits are not supposed to be able to create but the lady of the forest seems kind of different in that does she create this curse creates life like camper three because we haven't seen werewolves since dao the a brief mention in da2 in an interaction you can have if you've made the right choices but we don't ever see them again so is this a unique instance or are they like, you know, the Sylvans and the poetry that Bioware just forgot existed? Uh, yeah, no, that's fair. I don't think she created the curse. I think that's Zathrian. Um, but the way that it's spelled out is unclear if Zathrian actually intended for the humans to become werewolves or if he just like wanted to curse them. So I, I don't know. Um, that's up to interpretation, I think. So that could go along with your hypothesis. I would like to draw some parallels. I thought about this a lot. So if you think about it, um, Zathrian's story has a lot of parallels with um, Mythal's story, with Plymouth's story. And Witherfang, the Lady of the Forest, has parallels with uh the dread wolf uh and solace um the spirit that has been summoned into this mortal form to 
uh, right or wrong to, you know, and, you know, Mythal is kind of just has this justice embodied uh, kind of situation going on. Um, and I, I, I saw a lot of that in um, Zathrian and this kind of just this ongoing relationship between Zathrian and the Lady of the Forest. I, I don't know if that was intentional, but in Dragon Age Inquisition, um, during the cutscene where you make the trek to Skyhold, Solus is actually carrying Zathrian's staff. <laughs> um, so I don't, I don't know what parallels were intentional and what weren't, but I have thought a lot about this. And so I don't know if, if the spirit, the Lady of the Forest is similar, but I could definitely see her being some kind of spirit of wisdom. I could also see her being a spirit of justice that has become pride because I'm the heart of the forest, you know, um, or wisdom that became part. I'm the heart of the forest. I, you know, it's very um, self-aggrandizing and we like her. We like what she stands for. Um, I think she probably is a force of good, but she's also not. Um, she brings harm to a lot of people. Um, and so that, that would be my guess is maybe a spirit of justice or maybe a spirit of wisdom that has been corrupted, uh, something like that. It's so funny because I always refer to Zathrian as the original egg. <laughs> yes. So I just really laugh at that because you drew in parallels between him and Solon. Their stories are very, it, they, they really tie in well together. I agree. And I have never noticed that about the staff. Um, so that's, that is Bioware trolling us hundred um, yes. percent. I think, but I definitely see, I definitely see the point of um, wisdom. I definitely see that. I also, I also think she could be a spirit of love because she is, is very much focused on like wanting the, werewolves to to not be these savage beasts for them to be like people of their own and to like walk alongside them and care for them i see that as a very much an act of love i also see her phrase of i'm the heart of the forest you know we associate the heart with love i think that that also could be an argument in its favor too but i don't know like i think we've all made really good arguments like <laughs> She could be any, uh, I don't know, but I really like this character. We're trying to do like all spirits or spirit-ish companions and people that go along with this kind of stuff. So it was kind of out there when I started doing the research for this one. And I, at first was like, oh, I, I guess I thought that the lore, some codex would tell us what kind of spirit she was. And I couldn't find it anywhere. So it's definitely an interesting mystery <laughs> we have. She could also be a spirit of compassion that was then corrupted, like a spirit drawn to Zathrian's grief and wanting to issue compassion. And he takes it and binds that spirit to a wolf and says, mm. if you really want to help me kill all these people, which is not beyond a compassion spirit to do if we see it with Cole. Mm -hmm. Very true. That's very true. Um, well, that's all I have about the Lady of the Forest. So unless y'all have anything else you want to add about anything we've talked about, we can wrap this thing up. 
All right. Well, Alison Droste, you want to tell us where we can find you and things you want to plug before we wrap? Uh, sure. Um, so I can be found at Alison Droste. Um, that is just Allison and then Droste like the end of Androste. <laughs> um, and I can be found on most social media as that way. So I have a Twitter, I have an Instagram where I post art. I have a Tumblr if people are still into Tumblr. And then I also have a TikTok that I haven't been on in forever. Um, but I'm pretty active on social media, most social media, and I love to chat with people. So I'd be happy to follow back if anyone wants to get to know me. Well, thank you so much for guesting with us. This was a Thanks blast. For having it's always me. fun it was to have. Fun. Always fun to have another opinion besides ours. Um, and so that was great. So thank you so much. And thank you all for listening to the Dragon Age Lorecast. And we will see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Dragon Age Lorecast. As always, you can find us on Twitter at DA Lorecast. If you have any lore questions, topics to unpack, or side character suggestions, email them to us at dalorecast at gmail.com. The Dragon Age Lorecast is a part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club. You can join the Robots Radio Network Discord by clicking the link in our episode description. If you enjoyed our show, we'd love it if you'd subscribe and give us a review. See you next time. Hi, welcome to Three Count Thoughts. Let me introduce the crew real quick. Hi, I'm Maverick Stone. I'm Romer. And I'm Jaxus. Join us as we talk all things wrestling. Each week, we'll take a topic from the wrestling world, knock it around a bit, and then go over the week in wrestling from a strictly fan perspective. We can be found on all major podcast catchers. We can also be found at Three Count Thoughts on both YouTube and Twitter. Or you can send us an email using threecountthoughts at gmail.com. Okay, are you ready? Ring the bell.